0: Everyone, and welcome back to Demystifying Day Zero. We are in conversation with Chuck, where we are discussing lots of stories, lots of insights from his journey, while covering the glaring questions of our episode. In the second half of this conversation, our main focus is going to be on the second glaring question, which is Is there an ideal career trajectory after an MBA? Jobs versus entrepreneurs versus freelance. So let's get on with it. The entire discussion that we were having right now kind of helps us segue very easily into the next topic that we want which is
1: okay
0: uh, is there an ideal career trajectory for an mba which is
1: Hmm.
0: basically a comparison between let's say jobs or entrepreneurship or even freelance so Hmm. what what should people really opt for right now because let's understand one thing even if people are going for jobs people are not really satisfied like i graduated last year and i already have friends from my batch telling me i want to switch (laughs) some people have already switched Mm-hmm. And for me, luckily, I jumped right into entrepreneurship. And initially people thought that it was a foolish decision. Yeah. Even I, I thought it was a risk, but then I wanted yeah. to take a leap of faith. And then eventually people have been asking me as well, ki, how do we also yeah. manage things on the side? <laughs> and happens, that's right? kind of yeah. a very satisfying feeling. And yeah. COVID yeah. came in at the right time, which gave me time to figure things out on my own as well so it kind you're of the, you're the only place. person
2: who you're the only person who, who i have ever heard say the phrase covid came at the right time <laughs> but i know yeah. but i know what you meant i know i know yeah. what you meant by that yeah, yeah yeah so um yeah things fell
0: into place but then like this is a discussion that we've had at campus we've had with our seniors we've yeah. had with our mentors as well and this is something i have with my students as well so i want to know sure. your perspective and having lived through all the three phases yourself What Mm -hmm. are your views and is there an ideal career trajectory? Because this is a myth in most of the people's mind that an MBA is definitely going to get me a high paying job and I'm going Mm -hmm. to be happy doing it. Mm. But what is your take on the current trends basically?
2: Okay, so my uh, take is MBA or otherwise, there is no ideal career path really. Uh, And I, I have a very simple logic for it. It's just that everyone is driven by completely different things right uh, somebody might be driven by wanting to make more money fair enough i am nobody to begrudge them that right it is not my place to say that's a good goal or that's a bad goal because i don't know what that person is going through maybe they uh, maybe they want to make a lot of money and retire by the age of 40 great great for them right uh, Maybe somebody else is optimizing for some something else. I think that's why, again, I go back to uh, one of the answers that are given before. I think it's very important to kind of know yourself and what's going to give you satisfaction because that's going to define your career path. Now, you can define what your ideal career path is. You can't define the ideal career path, right? So, for example, if, if I had known where things would end up and I had absolutely no idea I would end up where I am right now, I wouldn't have changed too much honestly from what I did. Right, except possibly that one year in IT where I would have possibly gone and done. Uh, yeah, which is why I was saying um, it's important to kind of figure out what's going to give you satisfaction and then chart out your own path uh, accordingly, right? I think you have to start with what is it that I am optimizing for? What is it that I want to do? What is it that I value more? For example, I realized, and this is not something that's going to come at the beginning of your career. Huh? So is somebody who's 18 or 19 listening to this uh, show right now, You will not have that revelation right now. You will not have that revelation until you get into work, make mistakes, have successes, have failures. Figure out what is giving you joy, what is giving you happiness. Figuring out who is inspiring you uh, inside your company, you need to go through this. There is no shortcut to do this. Uh, to, to doing this, you'll need to figure it out. And I will be very surprised if there's somebody who who gets a very clear sense of what they want to do before the age of twenty-five. They have, they may have a broad sense of where they want to go and all that, but it's very unlikely. Uh, that uh, that you will have that uh, before uh, before 25 before 25 just try as many things as you can to be very honest just try to gather as many experiences dots mistakes successes everything that you can uh, at a, at an early age um, so is there an ideal uh, so um, you can work towards building a path that gives you happiness is what i think and one way of doing this again i will go back to i think so i think i've mentioned this before just keep asking yourself at every point of time am i happy doing what i am right now does it fit in with what i you know eventually want to do question yourself constantly there were a few thumb rules and heuristics that i had developed for myself one of these things was every month that i'm spending in my current job how do i justify it to myself and how do i justify it in my next interview uh, so I always like to think of it that way. If you look at it from a next interview point of view, uh, I think that throws a lot of clarity. Uh, for example, there was a point of time when I was at insider when I found it very difficult to, uh, 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 to be able to justify what I was doing in the last six months to a potential next interview, right? Because I would have a certain career path in mind Makes and sense. the interviewer could have yeah. said, Yeah, the interviewer said, okay, but it looks like you took one step backwards. Uh, And that's when I thought, oh, yeah, maybe that's actually what's happening. I'm fairly comfortable where I am right now, but I'm not advancing anywhere, uh, you know, as such. So I think the more clarity you have like that, I think it helps. Now, if you're the type of person who is deeply motivated by money, fair enough, then optimize for that. Then, yes, there will be an ideal career path. Then get into an MBA, arbitrage against you know, what uh, uh, you know, your opportunity cost and all that, whatever it is, and then go from this to this to this to this, slog your ass off, get to a point where you're earning a crore a month, a crore a year, a crore a month, whatever it is, then great, right? So then then you have to figure out okay, what are the tactics for that particular goal to happen? Now I am the wrong person to say how to get a lot of money because I have not been through that particular career graph. I have optimized everything for two things. One is less stress and two is um, a little more control over my own time. With some authority, I can speak on this because this is what my last three, four, five years has been like a constant process of optimizing towards that. And I still won't say I've got there completely. It's something that I'm constantly, uh, constantly working towards. Uh, I don't think there's, so. To answer your question, Chintan, I'll, it's a cop out of an answer. I know it's there is no ideal career path. Neither should there be because I think everyone's career paths are different. Just like there is no ideal dinner order, right? Everybody right. wants to order a different, uh, uh, a different dish because everyone's tastes are different. One person's vegetarian, another person doesn't want, uh, uh, or another person uh, loves something but has just had it the previous day. uh uh, you know whatever the case may be i think everyone needs to ask themselves what are the things that motivates themselves i know again it's a bit of a philosophical slightly gyan like answer but over time i've realized that this is the only thing i've also seen a lot of um articles like uh, how i made hundred thousand dollars in my first year and all that and i've read articles like those but what i also realize is that there's a certain context to that absolutely if you you if 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 there is a super successful author, like who's written a book, then making $100,000 a year from, say, publishing articles on Medium or something like that is not very difficult because they already have a certain following, which is very different from somebody who's starting at zero, suddenly going and uh, making that much amount of money a year. Similarly, somebody doing that in, say, a field of, say, consulting at the age of, say, 45 in the U.S., is very different from somebody who's just getting out of engineering college in india over here where we earn in uh, earn in rupees so whenever you see one of these individual success stories i think it's very important to extract context from those and also extract what are the lessons i can take from there now if that person who worked for 100000 whatever suppose the le- suppose what is it that i can replicate from there right? Okay. He had a certain process in a process. He woke up at six every day. He worked out for an hour. Then he wrote for five hours and then he did this and then he did this Sure. Okay. Now that is something I can follow right now. I may not be able to replicate the exact amount of money because our situations and contexts are different, but I can take out rituals from there. I can take out habits from there. If I want to become a writer, then I can follow some of those same practices. So for me, uh you know those are a few things that I have tried to incorporate over the last couple of years, which is to try and extract uh, context from success stories or at least the past that are relevant to us. I've also learned to be skeptical of these success stories because again, they do come from a certain uh, context right. And I often say this to uh, my marketing students in this in, in the uh, in the realm of marketing itself. Don't look at one brand example and think that any other brand will be able to replicate it, right? Like a lot of uh, right. uh, just to give you a very very real experience that I go through, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, digital, uh, a lot of brands that want to do great work on digital, they look at a brand like Zomato and say, "Oh, look at the fun stuff that they're putting up on Instagram. Why can't we be like them?" You can't be like them because you work in the field of insurance. Insurance is not food delivery. Please understand that these are two completely different things. Suddenly, uh, 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 an AMC going and making uh, memes on insurance... It can be done, but are you willing to do that? And are you willing to do it for Zomato didn't do this overnight where they also have done this for years before they built up the reputation to do this. So again, there's so much context to each of these success stories, and it's not just a matter of doing one, two, three things, right? And then the same thing will work for any brand or in our discussion over here for any one person. So yeah, Chintan, I think those are a few things um, that I'll say, um, again, I'll just say, I don't think there is an ideal career path per se. The other thing that I will say along with all this gyan that I just gave is whenever you are facing a decision, right, especially one that is drastically different from what you're doing right now, it's very easy to go from uh, one marketing job to another marketing job because you have a sense of what things are going to be like over there. At the same time, it's very unlikely to excite you completely because there is not going to be that much of an upside. Right. right it would be like it would be like trading an actual stock in for an h d f. c stock right you know reasonably what you're going to get it's neither going to go all the way down, neither is it going to go to the moon ask yourself at all points of time and be prepared for what the worst case scenario is. So I think this is very, very important. We as Indians, I think this is culture also of only bowl. So we will not... <laughs> why why think negatively before getting into something? Hare boss, think negatively. Because when you think negatively, you have prepared for the worst case scenario. When I say plan think B,
0: plan C, plan D, etc. Yeah, exactly,
2: for. exactly. And when I say think negatively, I don't mean start everything like, fuck, today is going to be bad as well. Sorry, if I just... No, that's <laughs> you fine. You're ready you to, you to be... Uh, things out but plan for okay what if this doesn't work out like for example when i got into freelance i spent weeks thinking about before i put in my papers i spent weeks thinking about okay what if this doesn't work out and here's the thing when once you you we always have this fear of the unknown right yeah but at least in our professional lives we realize that the downside is not all that much many of the listeners of your show they will have something to fall back on right right? Uh For example, if they change careers, what's the worst thing that can happen? Maybe they don't enjoy it. Maybe they don't, it doesn't work out, whatever it is. It's bad, but it's not the end of the world. They can always go back to what they were doing before. And that's the kind of logic I gave for myself. It may not be ideal. Sure. It may not be ideal, but at least you're not going to be out on the streets begging, right? You for In my situation, for example, I, I thought of, okay, what is the ultimate worst case scenario that will happen? Like I don't get any freelance work at all, or I don't enjoy it at all or i just don't end up doing a good job of it and i can't manage my own finances myself whatever whatever all that so i had rationalized all this and i thought okay what's the worst case that'll happen i'll come back to the same company because i'm still on good terms with them if they don't want to take me again think of worst cases all the way down Absolutely. and then we realize hey, it's not that bad because there are other places that are willing to help me again i i must say that i say this from a slight position of privilege because I have worked for about ten years and have built enough contacts to be able to do this. Maybe the things would be slightly different if it was, say, five years back or something. But that's the thing, right? You think of these worst case scenarios and then you make a plan for them. You make a plan for these worst case scenarios and then you realize it's actually not as scary as you know it. Uh, uh, it turned out to be. So that's the advice I would broadly give. One is constantly question wherever you are right now, and two, I think. Growth and happiness, etc., will come only when you take at least one outsized risk somewhere in your career. Right. And at that point of time, ask yourself what the worst case scenario will be. You'll realize it's not as bad. In fact, especially if you work on the marketing side of things, failure can actually be a success point. To be able to go to an interview and say, "Yeah, I tried this and it didn't work, but here are the ten things I learned from it," I think actually stands in a very, very good position. Look at the number of. Uh, uh, failed quote-unquote startup founders who've been able to go back i think it's a matter of how you pitch it as well right here is where right. kind of skill as mbs i guess comes into play uh which is how do you turn a negative into a positive what are the positives that you took away from there uh so yeah those are the two broad pieces of advice i would give wow like there are so many hooks that i want to I guess, <laughs> yeah, <please. laughs> there are so
0: many things that i want to talk about but yeah first thing uh when you said that uh, about being prepared for the worst cases i don't think it's about being negative as much as it's about being prepared and hedging our yes, own bets absolutely and that is something that we gain over experience because yeah once we go somewhere unprepared we realize that i should have maybe done this and that is something that yeah. helps us in our future endeavors or future risks yeah. that we want
2: to take yeah yeah so
0: that is one thing but and then in- yeah please go
2: No, I I, know, you know, it's not just with respect to careers, but I think we should be doing this even in our day to day jobs for ideas. Like, for example, when you're working in advertising, uh, one of the things that we always do is postmortems, like why didn't this pitch go very well? I say, why don't we do a pre-mortem? And this is a concept I read somewhere, and I was absolutely fascinated by it. Why don't you be your own ideas worst critic? Why can't yeah. all of us get into a room together and trash, absolutely trash the presentation that we are going to go and present right now? I, can, I don't know. Maybe it's a culture of, hey, we work so hard on this, so we can't look at it negatively at all. But then when you look at it from all those angles, you are basically preparing yourself for questions that the client might yes. have. You might be finding out new ways of improving the ideas that you've already put together. Or you might just be opening it up to criticism from somebody who doesn't have the authority or the balls to speak up uh, during the regular uh, flow of things. I think doing that is extremely important. Uh, and it beats me as to why it doesn't happen, uh, uh, happen more often, uh, to be very honest. Sorry, uh, the second point. You were making, yeah, so uh, I guess the
0: point that you mentioned has also got to do with our experiences at an MBA college, because sure, personally, yeah. if I look at myself before an MBA and after an MBA, there has been this one particular change where even my friends tell me that whenever we tell you something, you're always criticizing. Yeah. And my only opinion is <laughs> if it's foolproof, usme kuch hi nahi. like there is nothing yeah, yeah, to yeah. worry about. Like we have all our bases covered and we are going in prepared about everything. Now yeah. beat an idea or beat a plan for a trek. Like, okay, have we taken this? Have we taken that? Have we prepared for this? Have we prepared for that? And that, I guess, is a mindset that has been developed
2: over those two years. It is true. It is true, yeah.
0: So, I guess that is something that helps. But yeah, going back, like, let's start from the top uh, with respect to your answer. So, you mentioned that there is no one-fits-all template. And I guess it's more of an evolving process because let's look at your journey. You started, like you wanted to get into the ad advertising world. You wanted to get into that field. So, you started there. But But like, I'm sure you wouldn't have expected an OML coming in six years down the line or eventually (laughs) jumping into freelancing, let's say nine years, 10 years down the line. So I guess this process is something which is an evolving process and we have to be flexible at times because another problem that people nowadays are facing, as you mentioned initially about Accenture as well, that once you spend three, four years into something, you find it difficult to get out of it and or maybe switch. So then... In that particular in that particular case, how important is it to be flexible, or even at times accept that okay, this is where this has to end, and now I need to get out of here to maybe safeguard myself from whatever
2: potential yeah. I have. So yeah, that, that's a that's a great question, Chintan. Uh, um, uh, uh, So even though I made two what might look like two drastic shifts in my career, which is advertising to events, and then from formal employment as a whole into freelance the thing is i was able to retain like a good 50 60 percent of what i was doing before at every point it's not like i was doing com- something completely different right yeah, yeah. i think that would be very difficult i think if i want to do something that was completely like suppose uh, suppose i got uh, lured by the world of finance for instance and i wanted to start working in uh, like uh, uh like asset management or something like that, with absolutely no My current skill set and my current uh, strengths, no bearing whatsoever and I had to start from ground zero, it would be very difficult for me. Not that I couldn't do it, but then they wouldn't pay me what I'm earning right now to do that. They'll say you start from zero, we are considering you as good as a uh, management trainee, so we're going to start you at that salary, right? Very, very difficult, which is why I think it's very important to figure out what you definitely do not want to do early on itself and then shift track from there as soon as possible. I think if you, I'm again, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it just becomes extremely difficult to do that, right? Even even entrepreneurship for that matter, I mean, which might sometimes be uh, like a get out of jail free card when everything else goes wrong. The fact is, entrepreneurship is born out of something that you have experience with, right? It's either born out of something that you have, either you have a deep interest in it enough to sacrifice everything else, or you have you have identified something that is wrong in the industry that you have worked with or the say vertical that you have worked in either marketing or SaaS or something of that you know something where you are able to find a software or a hardware or a service solution to something right so it has to in some way be and uh, be related and you will have some strength coming in either you worked in marketing so you're strong in marketing but you know you need to get finance and product guys to help support you and all that so I think it's very so. While you might not not know what you want to do, I think it's very important to have a sense of what you definitely do not see yourself doing for the rest of your life, and get out of it as soon as possible. Because the longer you kick that can down the road, the more difficult it is going to be for you to separate from there. And I think. I was scared out of my boots when I heard one of, so my first job, the one that I didn't, uh, that I haven't mentioned in my uh, CV, uh, which your snooping thankfully has not uh, uncovered. (laughs) Uh, um, It was a hardcore sales job. It was a hardcore sales in uh, media job and I did not enjoy it one bit. And one of the professional contacts I had come into a as a as a result of the job was a sales guy from Times of India, right? We got along pretty well, and we used to rant about our respective uh uh you know situations to each other at that point of time on a fair basis. And he once told me, "Pro, um, once you're a sales guy, you will always be a sales guy," and that scared the shit out of me, <laughs> right? Uh, to think that forget sales, but the fact that if you're not careful if you're not thinking about things enough uh and if you don't course correct when you still have the opportunity to forget sales or whatever it is some people enjoy sales good for them but if you're going down a career path that you don't enjoy forget career path a relationship that you are not enjoying uh the more you get stuck into it the more difficult it is going to be for you to get out of it down the line so anything that you don't enjoy right uh, be it a job be it I hate to say this, a relationship, uh, red flags, get out as soon as possible. It will be painful, yes, but it's going to be less, much less painful now than it is going to be 10 years down the line. When you realize that you know the person you're living with, you can't live with right. anymore or the job that you've taken uh, is going to be painful because then the downside from there is huge because at that point of time, you're looking at a point of time, say 10 years down the line, you're earning a good 15, 20, 30 lakhs a, month, a year. And then from there to go to ground zero again, the delta when you're doing it early in your career might be from 1 lakh, you need to go down to say 30, 40k, which is still huge, right? But it is. it's not as huge, it's not as huge as in the middle of your career, going, when you probably have more responsibilities, EMIs, family, all that, to go from say a good 25, 30 lakhs back to say 50, 60,000 or something like that is going to be very, very difficult. So absolutely. while you might not have a sense of what you want to do, you will have a good sense of what you definitely do not enjoy or you don't have skills doing, get out of it as soon right. as possible. So that would be, again, I think that would be the one thing that I'd be extremely fixated on. Right. Get out of things that you don't enjoy.
0: And I guess it's important as well because at times when you stretch something too much, eventually, like it's just like a spring as well. Eventually, then it just uh, fixes into that particular shape once it's stretched too much. Like the spring, you can't get back to a place where you can now again go back to starting from beginning.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, uh, one of the best pieces of advice that uh, someone told me, um, this is during Getting Better, which was basically a podcast on stuff like this, which is basically... Uh, How to think better, how to uh, not necessarily career based, but uh, all around productivity, mental hacks and uh, stuff like that. This was by Utsav Mamuria, another one of the mentors from the podcast lab. And he said something beautiful, which was with respect to how to look at careers, um, which is think of what your ideal day will look like. Right. don't think for ideal moments because when you think of ideal moments we always go to the highlights like this happened or this happened you know it's all one of things and it's not every day that you get a promotion not every day that you're going to get a pat on the back not every day that a project is going to become a success but what does your average ideal day look like how would you like to live your average life you know and i think that's i I think putting it that way is so beautiful because you know you're putting your average day in perspective Right, So there will be days that are much better than that. There will be days that are much worse than that. But on average, if you are, say, like how I laid it out a while back, right? You're getting up at a certain time. You're working out for some time. You're working for <clears throat> X amount of time. You also have a sense of what the kind of work that you're doing is. You have some time for recreation, music, reading, whatever it is, some time with family, whatever is important to you. Right. So you've charted out your ideal day or you've charted out your average ideal day. Right. Rather than, oh, this one day I got up, went to, you you don't take a business flight every day. You don't close deals every day. Those are highlights, right? Think of what your ideal day is going to be. That puts a lot of things in uh, perspective, uh, I think. So you will also then figure out what does not figure over there, right? So that automatically gives you a plan to work backwards, right? How do I stop doing some of the things that don't figure in this plan and how do I start incorporating some of the things that do figure on this plan. So I think that was one of the best pieces of advice that was there on the show for more peace going this into getting that <laughs> of course, <this. laughs> yes, yes, so uh,
0: absolutely because having heard about this right now, if I think mm-hmm. maybe so I wasn't actively or I wasn't consciously thinking about this but at some moment or at some point in time there was this thought am I going to enjoy doing this for the let's say next five years yeah. so this is just brought it down to one day but then for me it was like okay for the next two three five years do I enjoy do I see myself doing this and enjoying it and yeah. somewhere that is an advice that I got from my mentor as well. Here, see you are this kind of a person are you going to mm-hmm. enjoy doing this if yes then go for it if not yeah. then it's up to you yeah so yeah that happens but then again so now that we've established that there's no one fit one fits all template
2: i also want to i just just one thing before you move away from this i also want to talk about that word which you just used which is enjoy you don't necessarily need to do what you you don't professionally necessarily need to do what you enjoy it's great if that happens but sometimes you might just need to do something that you are good at right and that is completely fine right you might do like for example i can't completely say that i enjoy everything that i do with respect to freelance right i'll 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 face it right um but i am good at it and it makes me enough money to keep apart time which i can enjoy now that enjoyment time doesn't necessarily make me money right but I'm very demarcated in that sense. If you are finding something that you both enjoy and makes you money, great. Nothing like this. That's the but ideal thing. If you, basically. Yeah, that is ideal. But even those situations, Sintan, it's you dig beneath the surface and you'll see that the enjoyment part is only a very small part of it. Like for example, if you speak to any successful stand-up comedian, it looks like they're living the dream, right? They get on, they go on stage, they make jokes, and they they make a lot of money, but. These comedians have told me that that one hour that they spend performing on stage is the only happy hour of their day. Everything else is rejection, travel, failure, writing, self-doubt, possibly getting trolled on Twitter (laughs) for something that they said 10 years back, whatever the case may be. Right. So. And the same thing goes for podcasters, YouTubers, etc. As well. Behind every one hour of content that goes up, there's possibly a lot of slogging, hard work, pain, tears, frustration, self doubt that happen uh, 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 behind that. And even if even if not that, there is uh, there is all the non there is all the admin work to do. Let me put it that way. Dealing with brands, dealing with other folks, you know, managing your own time, money, etc., etc., all those sort of things. And just because somebody's a great content creator doesn't mean they are necessarily great at all those other things, or enjoy all those other things, or even want somebody else to manage their own things. So again, context really matters. So all these success stories really, really matter. Uh, There are lots of NBA and NFL superstars in the US that are bankrupt uh, five years after they uh, they stop uh they were millionaires at one point of time, lost all their money so it's not like they're good at everything that they do. So I think it's very important to also separate that out. you may not necessarily uh, uh, you may not necessarily end up doing something that you completely enjoy all the time. It's great if you manage to find something like that but it's at least enough to have that clarity that okay half of the day I might be doing something that I'm good at reasonably enjoy and is making me enough money so that the other half of the day I can actually spend it doing things that I don't enjoy some of that may or may not make me money that's completely fine but at least you're clear in your head so I just wanted to clarify that as well because I think this whole thing of follow your passion and do something (laughs) that you enjoy I think it is slightly overrated and I think it's also something that misses a lot of the nuance that goes behind uh, uh, what you know that one hour on stage does uh, uh, it covers up that other twenty-three hours that happens during the day. So I think it's important to mention that as well. Yeah,
0: it's I guess very idealistic as well, Pierre. Like there are completely, very few people completely. who are able to do that. But then aspiring to do that or achieving that is again kind of a mistake because then you won't be really happy with what you're doing right now. Even though yeah, you're absolutely. good at it. And
2: I think there is uh, there is always from an external point of view, there's always this success bias, right? A success or survivor bias as we see yeah. uh, uh, as we call it. Any any content creator, you take any content creator who looks like they're living the best possible life, uh, traveling everywhere and all that, they will have their moments of frustration. If you dig them on this, uh, you know. Uh, so yeah, I just wanted to mention that as well.
0: Right, right. So yeah, now that we were talking about uh, an ideal trajectory, so initially we established that yes, there is uh, no one fits all start, uh, one fits all template, and we also established that. There is a lot of information being made available to people and there are lots of people who are covering the success stories of people who made it big or who we idealize in a particular field. So what are your views on people basically? So as I said, since we have a lot of options and that is very easy, that makes it very easy for us to be confused as to setting up our own trajectory because you give someone a task, they'll always want a reference. And what mm. eventually happens is people eventually follow the reference or follow the path they were that they were supposed to use as a reference. So sure. that happens with respect to success stories as well. Like the example that you gave
1: mm. about
0: someone who's a writer, maybe he's following a certain schedule. What people yeah. try to do is let me try to replicate the schedule. What they yeah. don't understand is just take a reference that okay, maybe yeah. he was spending so much time. Why don't you make your own schedule rather yeah. than following something that helped them? Because again, it's about... Creating your path. So, why are you trying to copy someone or copy what they did? Because it again boils down to the context part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The story that they had, the consequences or the situations that they were in are different from what you are in. So, what are your views on this particular thing that I would say is relevant nowadays? Because lots of people want to idealize people at the same time, follow their stories rather than just use them as a reference. Yeah, and eventually
2: no, I, 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 yeah I don't know no, go on go on and eventually
0: and eventually they are trying to match their career paths to them thinking that it will lead to the same destination
2: destination actually I don't have anything much to add because I think you actually said it <laughs> perfectly yourself like the way you answered that is exactly it's exactly correct and if I say anything right now I'll just be rehashing something that uh, you said or I said earlier in this interview it's exactly that whenever you're looking at these success stories uh, okay let me put it this way <clears throat> I think it's very important to extract out meta lessons from all of these things right so uh, if there is a like if you are uh if somebody seems successful and there's a certain routine is exactly what you said chintan which is if the idea is not to say okay seven to ten every morning i am going to write and then 10 to 12 i will do this and then it, the idea is not to say that uh this is the exact schedule that you should follow right this is not engineering coaching class this is you know, this is you figuring out what works best for uh, best for you. For all you know, you might be most productive late at night, which is when most of these uh, productivity gurus will say, no, no, you should sleep by 10, 11, yeah. whatever it is, right? So do what works for you, works fits in with your schedule, given the practicalities of your life. The, that's really about it. It's exactly what you said, Chintan. The idea is not to say you should follow one, two, three, four, five things. The idea is to say, this person has a routine. Let me try that. Right, I think that is lesson number one. Now, at every point of time, I think I think one thing I took away from engineering is having a very algorithmic mind, uh, <laughs> which is yeah, uh, which is okay. Even routine for that matter. And here's another thing that I've learned: I don't have uh, blind blind belief or blind faith in. Anything, right? Even my favorite, mu- even my favorite musicians who are around me. I know many of them are fallible, and if the next album comes, I will judge it on the merit of. This is a great quote that was. Uh, I think it was. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's from a very unlikely source for great quotes. It was Sachin Tendulkar, who said. Uh, <laughs> I know, there are many things that he's good at, but the quotes yeah. is not one of them. But he said something beautiful, which is, judge the ball on its merit and not the reputation of the bowler. I thought that yeah. is such a beautiful line, not just in the context of cricket, but anything in general. So don't, just because, say, Ankur Variku is saying something, right? It doesn't mean, mean that it's gospel. Evaluate it, see whether it fits in with your own life, your own philosophy, etc. Now, he might say, read 100 books a year. But hey, you may not have that, Uh, You may not have the luxury to be able to do that or that speed, or maybe you get your kicks out of reading or entertainment from somewhere else. I know for a fact that I have read more in 2021 than any other year, but I've probably read a grand total of about six or seven books because most of my reading happens in the form of articles Like every day I spend about an hour, hour and a half reading long form articles on wired fast company rest of world and a whole bunch of others. So as a result of which I've read a few, only a very few books. So I'm a failure in that sense, but overall I've probably read and accumulated more knowledge than I have in any other year before, uh, before this. So that, you know, extracting that context and those, meta lessons i think is extremely important similarly and this is some, this is a very interesting thing to do at, 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 at no matter where you are in your career for example if you admire somebody at work figure out what is it that you admire is it one their craft right oh they are great at graphic design so then you are you don't really care about them as a person or their organizational skills or something you admire them or the thing that you are taking away from them is that they are great at say something on photoshop or illustrator right and if that's right. the path that you want to follow then get those lessons out from them or are they great at managing work right are they great at distributing work being accountable all that are they great managers or are they they might even be useless at work, but they might just be great people to get along with. So, what is it that you admire from each person? And trust me, there is something to take away from even every person. That oh, yeah. there is absolutely, absolutely, even somebody who uh, might look like is a complete failure or like everyone laughs at or something. There is something to take away from that. If nothing else, there is something what not to do so that you are not the person who is being laughed at. I think there's, I think there's something over there. So. I think uh, to answer your question, I won't answer it in the, in the in the straight way that you hoped I would. I think there is some um, I think there is some lesson to be taken away from all these success stories, but it is left to you to contextualize that in your own life and apply it to you know uh, just like how you said there is no one ideal career path, and it will never be refined out but start from some place raw and use every piece of information that you're getting to sort of refine it along the way right keep polishing the edges saying oh okay okay so this person who i deeply like for example i was in awe of elon musk say four or five years back (laughs) uh right for his vision whatever 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 Right, uh, and I must say there's some parts of him that inspired me, maybe changed the way I was thinking at some point of time, or whatever it is. But then along the way came everything else, the you know misogyny, the whatever yeah. it is, right? Everything else that is okay, okay. So let me take those two, three lessons out from there. It doesn't the the fact that he's a misogynist or whatever it is, like maybe overrated, under whatever it's the fact that he doesn't he he uh, puts a middle finger in the face of authority or whatever it is that does still not take away from the fact that those one or two things that he did are still valid in and of themselves i'm not like justify i'm not like espousing him as a person as a whole but just because he's an asshole doesn't mean that his engineering vision isn't bad right so take away those two three relevant things from every person that you meet or whatever experience you might come across and it could also be an experience by the way um, for example if you have a bad meeting for instance That is very valuable. Take away what went wrong in that meeting and make sure you never do it again or improve on it or whatever the case may be. I think I've sort of figured out whenever there is a very bad professional moment, right? Suppose there's a client that's being particularly difficult and this might sound a little weird. I actually savor that because I know that while I might have a very hard time right now, I am taking away something that i'm going to reference later oh remember that time when we had to do that for that particular client because i know i'm living through something that is a lesson or a reference for later just like when you're having a very good moment that also becomes a reference for what works right if everything is going according to plan then there's nothing new to learn as such i know it's a weird way of looking at it but that's a great way of also you know if things are absolutely in the doldrums then It's not all shit and you don't need to like, you know, uh, drink it away or smoke it up (laughs) away or something (laughs) like that. There is something to take away from there, right? Um, And I think that's very important because when you are taking a decision on major decision, like on your career or your life or whatever it is, you will always reference the extremes. You will always reference the things that went super wrong in the job, very well in the job or your life or whatever it is. Uh, So it's important to retain those and take lessons away from those is what I think.
0: Right, and I guess it's also about like finding those small positives which eventually you can use as a hook to lift yourself because oh yeah, yeah, yeah. at, at absolutely. this point absolutely. you have to lift yourself. Like you can't rely on someone else to help you get up. Yeah, like, obviously there will yeah. be people, but the yeah, first person yeah. to do that has to be you.
2: Yes, absolutely. You are never as bad as you think you are at your worst, neither are you as good as you think you are at your at best. The best. The truth oh, yeah. lies somewhere in the middle. This is, uh, um, uh, so, uh, um, you must have definitely heard of, if not read, this book, which is uh, Thinking Fast and Slow by Danny yeah. Kahneman, uh, the dad of behavioral economics. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners would have as well. If you haven't, please, uh, please, do read. I think it's, it should be made like mandatory reading for uh, anyone who is, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, pretty much anyone. I think one of the most valuable lessons in that book is the so-called regression towards the mean. Uh, it comes in at about 35% of the book or something, if I'm not mistaken. Because I just uh, finished reading it. Um, and uh, we always remember the extremes. We always remember the uh, outcomes. And we th- like if a golfer, and I, I, I don't know why I use golf as an example, I absolutely detest the sport. So let's say cricket uh if a cricketer has a very good game on one day people might bet that he is going to carry that form over to the next day but chances are more that he's going to regress towards the mean and score much lower in the next game I think it's very important to remember that that's how life operates as well it operates on an average so just because you've had a great day one day doesn't in fact chances are more likely that you're going to have a less than excellent day uh, uh the next time so I think it's important I think it's important to Remember these extremes, those little negatives and the little positives, like you said, because when you are going on the other side, it's important to remember that, hey, I'm not as bad as I think I am right now, because the client also said one, two, three, four, five, six things. It's it's completely okay also to, and I know this might be a vain thing to do, but every compliment that uh, that your colleagues or client, whoever it is, has given you which may not make it up to LinkedIn testimonials <laughs> copy it keep it in a folder somewhere whenever you're feeling down have a look at it sometimes I do that I'll be very honest sometimes I uh, when I'm having a bad day or somebody trolls some some of the podcasts that I do which have been known to happen um, I go back and read some of the uh, some of the nice things people have said or uh, and as humans we tend to retain only the negatives unfortunately um, right. Go back, read the praise that people have given you. I think it lifts you up because you did that, you created that, you made that happen, you know, in some sense, this is unfiltered compliments that are coming through. So I think, yeah, I, what you said is very true, Chintan. I think it's important to remember these, uh, uh, these, these small things uh, right. as well.
0: Right. So now one thing, like there are like these very three heavy terms, autonomy, freedom and independence. So I guess. Like, this is one thing that I've often heard Mm. people talk about while maybe choosing a career path or switching a job or eventually taking up entrepreneurship. People are like, Mm -hmm. I want more autonomy or I want my freedom. I want to be independent in what I do. Now, when we talk about the context of jobs versus entrepreneurship versus freelance, how do you think or how do you think these particular words fit into these contexts? Because. Again, as people might think that there is no autonomy in a job. Yes, you can have autonomy even in a job. And the fact that people eventually look up to entrepreneurship as autonomy, at times you might really not have an autonomy if you are getting an investor on board. So there are a lot of things that maybe people judge it on the wrong parameters or people think about it in a wrong sense. So what are your views about these three words with the context of the three Things that we are discussing. That is jobs, yeah. entrepreneurs and freelancers.
2: Yeah. Uh, so firstly, I'm not going to try to draw a difference between the three of them. I will not yeah. try to create an MBA-like slide <laughs> saying autonomy means this and in freedom means this. I'm not going to try and they do are, that. I I'm guess, just going to assume. Kind of
0: the, they are in the same boat. They are different yeah. meanings. Uh, the same meaning used in different contexts. If I Different
2: contexts. So, that's what, so I, w- I won't try to make that MBA slide right now and do one Venn diagram, giving an example for each. So I'm going to assume that all three of them are going to be uh, more or less um, equal. See, I think you're right. If I were to rank what I think will give you more autonomy, etc. I would say freelance is going to give you the most because it gives you flexibility, right? I think that's the other... I think if you multiply all of what you said right now with flexibility i think that's important as well uh because yes you do have a certain level of autonomy when you are an entrepreneur but let's face it you have it's very very inflexible because you have yeah. chosen a certain career path and you have chosen a certain idea you have to pursue it you can't deviate from that too much you can but it's very difficult to do that you're committed to right. it and the more you are in it the more difficult it is for you to change on that because now not only do you have investors on board, you possibly also have uh, employees on board and you also possibly have customers on board. Right. So it's now very going, going to be very difficult for Deepinder Goel to say I'm going to wind down Zomato <laughs> from uh, this uh, and I'm going to start off something else completely different, right? And jo- and uh, yeah. so the thing, I'm struggling to figure out which between a job and entrepreneurship will give you more. Because I think in different contexts, they will, right. in some sense, entrepreneurship is going to be even more restrictive than a job because in a job, you can still go and bind to your boss and they may take you off an account <laughs> or try, get you to try something else or something like that. So I think both of those will switch depending on uh, depending on uh, context. But if you are clear on something that you are passionate about, something that you're good about, etc., I guess it would be, and this should be unsurprising, job then entrepreneurship, then freelancing. Again, I don't want to come across as I'm blindly advocating freelance to everyone, right? Um, I'm saying it wins in this particular question purely because if there is something that you don't enjoy, you can always get out of that one thing and put in something else. And that's happened to me many times. I've had clients or verticals that I didn't particularly enjoy, and it was it didn't bum me out too much because that was a short-term project, got out of it and I got something else in. And you learn how to build those skills over a period of time like for example one thing i'm very particular on with a lot of clients is i'm i am very averse to committing to a long-term relationship right up front and i put it from their as and i see i may not work out for you i may not be the person who you're looking for for this so let's try this for a sandbox period of about two months or something right. see that you're both comfortable working with each other with this amount of money on the table etc and then if everything seems okay let's extend it right so that's happened to me Uh, number of times. So it's happening to me right now. There are a couple of things that I'm doing right now, which I'm like, I wish I'd never gotten into this. But that's fine, because now I'm not committed to that I can always like not do that uh you know two three months on so i think there's immense amount of flexibility when you have this again the more i guess you can look at it from the point of view from an entrepreneur as well right somebody could set up four different companies and if one of them doesn't work out but then again you have lives on the line now you have people and employees <laughs> right. on the line so it's much more difficult uh but that's the way i would uh i would put it i think jo- i think job first then entrepreneurship and then uh uh, and then freelance, although with a huge asterisks that job can be way way further behind if there are lots of uh, you know investors or com- whatever you're committed to something. If SoftBank has given you a lot of money and you're unable to say <laughs> no and you have to uh, blitzkrieg no matter blitz no matter what, then I guess you're tied to it. Then it becomes very difficult at that point of time. So yeah. Um, hmm. I hope that answers the question.
0: Yeah, I guess. And this was more of a personal question as well, because this is something that even I constantly think about, like whenever I'm Mm -hmm. having discussions, I've got varying answers. And yeah, it's something that I constantly keep thinking about because it's a mystery in a way. Like, although I've been in one of the places I've experienced the other as well at some time, it's always something which is more of into the unknown because every time yeah. i listen to someone talk about it there's a new perspective on the table and right. then you're back to square one you again start yeah. thinking of it from a different perspective now so yeah. yeah this is more of a personal thing but now like the topic if that... i may,
2: if i may, if i may just uh, uh, complicate things for you a little more Chintan, since you were thinking about <laughs> it from yeah. that perspective i think even when you're an entrepreneur i think see uh, what do you mean by independence independence and autonomy etc to some uh, the reason i say flexibility so much is How much wriggle room do you have? Like, for example, when you're an entrepreneur, are you just pursuing one idea or is it just that one revenue stream that you have or is it just that one, like we need to make this one thing work, otherwise everything is going to collapse? If that's the approach, then yes, that's deeply inflexible, and hence all the autonomy, freedom, etc., is going to go out of the table. Because you, there is, even if you're not tied to an investor, even if you're lucky enough to have a lot of money and pursuing an idea, and you call the shots, you are still bound by that one idea, which yes. in some sense is your uh, is your puppet master in some sense, yeah. right? Um, so then you're not really free in that sense. So then. It's a matter of them spreading your ideas in some sense. Okay, let's try five, six things. There are five possible revenue streams that we may have which might work. Or we are pursuing this one revenue stream right now, but we are building something bigger, a platform that we're building, which we may be able to monetize something else later. Right? right. Maybe that's what, say, uh, uh, Zomato is doing right now. Maybe they even if the food delivery for whatever doesn't work out, maybe one of the other things will work out for them because it built up something. Some great startups have been built as offshoots from what the original idea was like slack for example yeah. um right so um slack Flickr, so many examples of netflix amazon um,
0: everything started off as something different and is eventually now doing something
2: different. yeah which eventually ended up somewhere amazon's a great example uh, yeah. but i guess that's a different story altogether with how aws and ams etc have uh have become completely uh big on their own but they were on the backs of businesses that are already successful right i'm saying like even at a on like at a starting, starting level, level i life. think yeah i think it's important to again is all those principles that we spoke about chintana a while back worst case scenario all that what if this idea does not work i think it's important to do that pre-mortem putting too many eggs in one basket whether it is career whether it is idea whether it's freelance whatever i think that's a recipe for for disaster Absolutely. Uh, so I think again that I, I so it's, it's interesting how we have talked about so many different <laughs> topics over here, but all of them are still tied to a few common principles. Right. Right. So, yeah.
0: So yeah, like we've spoken, we've spoken about a lot of things, but now there's one thing that I personally also want to talk about is okay. your podcasting journey. Having okay. embarked onto one myself, I know like the struggles, the excitement that I have before every <laughs> episode is even recorded. Published yeah. is a different excitement, but even before it's yeah, yeah. recorded. So, I want to know about your journey. Like, how did podcasting come into the fray? How did that happen? Be it simplified, be it the origin of things, or be it getting met as well? <laughs> I, I, uh,
2: this is going to sound extremely random, but uh, maybe it is <laughs> best is that way. So, I started listening to podcasts around 2014 15 or something. Um, In fact, my wife had introduced me to a show called The Bugle, which still remains one of my favorite podcasts. It's a uh, British uh, political satire podcast hosted at that point of time by Andy Zaltzman and John Oliver. Uh, John okay. Oliver, of course now everyone knows because he is the uh he's a successful late night host yes. in the u s and a huge name in his own right. But at that point of time what drew me to the podcast was actually the other name, which is Andy Zoltzman. So I was a big fan of his satire writing. he was a uh, he was a he he's one of the most surreal, hilarious cricket writers that I know and uh if you see his articles on uh in on Info, who I think which he still uh, writes for absolutely surreal and absolutely hilarious so i was drawn to the podcast because of that and not necessarily because of john oliver who i discovered as a big name only later i didn't follow u.s politics enough at that point of time to know who john oliver was <laughs> so then uh from then uh, from that one i discovered a few more other shows that i really liked and then of course there was the idea of trying something on uh on uh on my own I, it's a bit of a messy story uh, of what happened but i might as well tell you right uh, because it shows it shows how uh, hopefully something interesting can come out of absolute uh, chance so there was a fr- uh, the initial idea was nothing like simplified by the way uh, a friend of mine who i had befriended going to a lot of these rock gigs in mumbai he said, let's start something in the space of indie music, Indian indie music. Let's like discuss albums or our favorite artists and stuff. And I said, okay, that sounds like interesting. Let's do it." Then for whatever reason, he said he couldn't do that because he was going to travel uh, abroad or something of that sort. I think he got a job abroad or something of that sort. At that time, remote recording wasn't even a thought in our heads. <laughs> um, he said, I'll tell you what, if you can find somebody else to do this idea or any other idea with, I'll produce it for you. I'll edit it and all that. I said, okay, that sounds fine. So I had uh, a good friend of mine, Naren, uh, who is, of course, my co-host on Simplified. And uh, I said, hey, would you like to start a show together? And he's not a indie music. He's not a music in, in that sense guy at all, more into classical and stuff. Um, so we had a few concepts that we could do. And he and I knew each other from the blogger and early Twitter days. And we were always keen, at least I was keen on doing something with him. And a podcast seemed like the perfect sort of thing to do. So we had a few ideas, of which one of which was the scratch idea for Simplified, and the idea was basically simplifying things that happen around us, taking news topics and things like that, and just breaking it down into simple language that anyone can understand. That's been the ethos of the show okay. for the last five six years that it's been running. Um, so we had a bunch of these ideas, and uh, I pitched them to him. He said, "Yeah, this one Simplified idea sounds good. Uh, let's do it." and uh the first episode that we tried to the first topic that we tried to simplify was a hot topic at that point of time which was just the uh, uh eurozone economic crisis we started off with a doozy <laughs> so the greek economic crisis is what we started off with and it was extremely raw to say the least and by the way at that point of time my other friend who started this whole mess in the first place he couldn't commit to editing as well because something <laughs> happened to him so okay. uh so i took on the okay i said okay chale, let's try this whole thing and see what happens Taught myself how to do some basic editing in Audacity, upload on uh, SoundCloud, and things like that. So our first episodes were embarrassingly scripted to the T, right? Uh, we had like, but but it was a great experience. We tried all sorts of things. We even tried to do songs in between some of. We tried to write satire songs for some of our episodes, and I, and sometimes fans still write in saying that uh, we should get back to doing stuff like that. And we were, but we were on our own and we were extremely inconsistent. Like we had some six episodes in six months or something like that. We were like very, very like all over the place. And then uh, IBM, which was an up and coming company at that point of time, they were looking for people who had at least an idea of what podcasts were. And uh, May Thomas, who now runs, of course, Made in India, the other, the music yeah. podcast, she was a creative director at that time for IBM. She reached out and said, Amit would like to speak to you guys and see whether you'd like to get signed on. Like, wow, that sounds amazing. And then before you knew it, we were in a studio recording Simplified. Now, what that meant was a few things for us, right? One, it forced us to be on schedule because now there was somebody else investing resources behind us. Um, So now we were forced to be on a schedule. And two, the biggest advantage is that the headache of editing and uploading and all the so called admin side of things was taken away from us. So we just needed to show up with content. And along the way, Simplified added two more hosts. And right now, it's honestly, for me, simplified now, even though it's about to reach 250 episodes now, it's honestly just an excuse to hang out with three of my best friends once a month. Uh, I don't even look at it as a podcast anymore. <laughs> and uh, sometimes when the producer, not, uh, I send us an email saying, "Guys, you need to send the description and all that." Like, oh yeah, yeah, I forgot we had to do that. <laughs> um, so that's how the show has evolved. And I am surprised by the fact that people still listen to it, and especially when there's so much good content out there, uh, I'm surprised that some listeners still choose to. Uh, listen to the nonsense that we do because to be, and, and I'm not being modest over here, our research for each episode consists of reading a couple of articles, reading a Wikipedia a Wikipedia page, uh, putting some two, three facts together and just completely riffing off the rest is genuinely a show that is carried by the banter of the four hosts. And to me that is, it's amazing that we've been able to reach something like that because when I look back and think about the show that I was inspired by the Bugle, I was there for the banter and not for uh, oh, I'm getting deep political insights out of this, or something like that. So right. it's amazing to me, to, uh, for me to feel like something like that has been actually achieved. The happiest moment I think for Simplified were for me, at least personally, was to do our hundredth episode live in uh, in a micro brewery in Bombay, Dulali wow. For those who are listening, uh, yeah, it was astonishing. It was amazing to do that in front of a live audience, including my parents and my parents-in-law. You know? um, yeah. We performed the song live, we had a PPT, we had a quiz, that was a, a drink, that was like one of the highlights of my life, that 100th episode uh, recording. Uh, we interviewed Amit Verma as well, uh, Varun tukirala as well, who was just yeah. about to launch his own show. So it was a great uh, day for us. So Simplified has given me a lot of memories that way. Um, along the way, I got this little itch to start another show, which, was, which I wanted to be completely it was just me i just wanted to be the voice on it and and I have a very clear inspiration for this i used to listen to a show called the way i heard it by uh uh by someone called Micro, and his format was beautiful it was a short it was a short podcast like seven to ten minutes where he would give a very dramatized story of one person and the way he would do that the way he would lead deception and the way he would would do his storytelling was so beautiful you had no idea who that name coming at the end was and he would he had this art of deception I loved beautiful I loved so much I thought I would love to do something like that but for brands yeah so I thought it would be beautiful to be able to do something like this lead the listener astray thinking that I'm talking about something else and then drop the bomb later Uh, uh, revealing it to be something else and for me it was a I just thought okay uh, because I used to read a lot of brand books and you know used to collect some esoteric knowledge I thought okay it might be some place to put all that to use and I completely enjoyed that journey because for me when I'm writing the origin of things it's all about deception it's like how do I keep the listener guessing to the last moment for example like I'll I'll give you I, I, I mean by nature I have to give a couple of spoilers over here I guess so some so uh, one episode I remember, I started off talking about a drinks brand from uh, Northern Italy or something like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, yes, yeah, so that's the thing, right? When you phrase it in those ways, you think that it's wine or it's uh, fine yeah. scotch or something like that. So the entire story is built towards that, it's built towards re emphasizing the fact that there is, it's intoxicating, it's alcoholic, it's fine. It's like I want to draw that imagery of. Posh Italians walking right. around sniffing wines and all that, and at the end, I drop the bomb that it's Bisleri. Right? <laughs> right, His right. most the, the the title of the episode was his most famous drink. Right. Yeah. So for me, it is a complete thing of deception. Uh, you know, uh, they should like. There's no point talking about uh, You know, I mean, I want to eliminate. I want to like put the person's mindset, uh, frame of reference somewhere else completely, and then get something in from the outside completely to uh again. similarly for episode again i'm giving another spoiler uh, again i'm not sure if uh, mohan you, uh, have you read have you read hitchhikers guide to the galaxy by any chance uh,
0: i haven't read it i have seen okay, it. if you
2: haven't if you ha- uh, uh, no no, if you haven't read it then there's no point in saying that because it's, okay I'll, I'll let me put it this way there's some iconic vehicle in that uh, in that movie uh, sorry in that movie and the book the heart of gold yeah. if you've seen the movie yeah, you yeah, know yeah. it so, yeah, so for me, I start so, and also the other famous thing about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is, of course, the uh, 42 episode. Uh, so, uh, the answer to life, the universe and everything. So, for me, that was episode number 42. 42. I did not reference yeah. that at all, obviously. <laughs> um, I, I started off by saying today we are going to talk about an automobile brand. In fact, it's the only version of this that has been ever built by this company, the cybernetics corporation, etc, etc. So I obviously didn't reveal that I didn't want to say that it was a fictional thing right from the start. Otherwise, you're narrowing it down to okay, what are the fictional things? So I tried to string people along thinking, saying that it was like a fictional company. Sorry, it was a real company, whatever. And the end, I dropped the fact that this is something. So for me, it's that. Uh, And I've completed two seasons of that. It's pretty difficult putting one of those together, as you can imagine, because it's a lot of scripting. research, Right now, I'm working on season three. I've uh, written three episodes. It's completely different from the other two seasons because this time it's not going to be based on brands. It's going to be based on something else which I can't reveal right now. <laughs> uh, hopefully people will like it. Let's see what happens. It's a completely self-indulgent sort of thing and those who know me should be able to guess a couple of spaces that this might go into. But which was also I knew this would happen, which is why I called it the origin of things rather than the origin of brands. Which is why it's tooth and not two or something <laughs> like that. So I guess you um, kind
0: so, of used your favorite word and pivoted from brands to something else. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well done, well done, well done. Yeah. Um, and that was so that was uh, the origin of things. And then I also want to, I always fancied myself as an interviewer. I always wanted to do an interview show. Uh, and I was listening to a lot of Tim Ferriss at that time, the Tim Ferriss right. show. Uh, still, I. Like, one of the greatest uh, podcasts in the world purely because of the the way you're able to extract meta lessons from even people and spaces who you might not be interested in at all because they speak more about rituals and habits rather than that specific industry that they work in. Right. I was deeply inspired by that and that's honestly when the idea of getting Meta came out. It was something that was sitting right there. It was something that was easy for me to do. I had access to a few people. I knew like Amit Varma, Rohan Joshi, uh, Meeta Malogra, Diman Parekh. I knew enough people. I knew that none of them had ever been interviewed in this way. All of them have been interviewed on say specific things about entrepreneurship or comedy before but nobody has asked rohan joshi about what his mental processes habits etc were so for me it was an exciting thing to explore yeah um so i did one of those um so now while it my uh, so the so two things over here one you might have noticed that each one of my podcasts has actually been inspired by another podcast there was the bugle yeah the uh, The the way i heard it and heard it and now uh, the Tim Ferriss show respectively and I think that's completely fine because I don't think it's a carbon copy of what they do. I try to add my own spin to it and hopefully listeners will uh, see or hear it that way uh, as well. That's that's one thing. The second thing is even though it might seem like oh three podcasts how is that happening? The fact of the matter is I really don't. I've told you my approach to simplify which is honestly two hours of research per host per month. Uh, and then for me, it's four hours of banter with three of my closest <laughs> friends. So I don't really count that as podcasting or something, yeah. you know, so when when you youngsters come and say, Oh, my goodness, I spent so much time researching on this one particular show getting everything right. I'm like, wow, I don't do any of that. Shit. <laughs> and uh, between getting meta and the origin of things, only one is active at any point of time. Uh, so Essentially, I'm working on only one and a half podcasts at any point of time. So right, right. now, for instance, I am trying hard to finish 25 episode scripts of uh, The Origin of Things, record them all in one go and release them hopefully from February, or March or so next year. While those are being uh, released, I want to start interviews for Getting, Getting Meta Season 2. So my idea right. is, let's simplify it, happen through the year because that's low effort in any case and it's something I enjoy either one of getting meta or the original things, because both of them uh take up a fair bit of time in terms of research and all, all that right so okay. it's difficult to do both of them in parallel so for me it's one of the two and hopefully let's see let's see how long uh uh you know how long that can uh, that can sustain because com- this is all completely hobby this is all completely just uh you know fun stuff for me it's right. not like it's a huge it's not like it's an income driver or something like you're a podcaster you will know um, yeah. so for me it's just about having a bit of fun learning something along the way I know that I've learned a lot from those 10 interviews that I did for Getting Meta it's very very eye-opening to speak to uh, smart people and uh, get inside their heads for about an hour hour and a half so yeah right. so that was like- uh, my podcast journey as it were I think I was yeah. just a I, I'll I'll put it this way: In I think um, I was just uh, uh, I think I was just fortunate to have started early. Uh, I'll I'll be very honest: there is no way that a show like Simplified would have got selected for the uh, for the program that you are a part of right now. For instance, I think it is too random. I think it's too too much based on the chemistry and the banter between the hosts. But then hey, we started early, so I guess there's something to that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, like for me, there are two main things that uh, you mentioned in this particular journey. One is especially about uh, the origin of things that like those seven, eight minutes or those six, seven minutes, it continuously keeps you on your tour because I usually listen to podcasts when I'm driving and I'm continuously guessing, okay, this might be this. Okay, this might be this. And then immediately you pivot to something else and I'm like, okay, back to square, go back to another (laughs) thought. And then I continue there. And that kind of is very interesting as well because of two instances that I came across. So, the first one was about Bisleri. So, there was a question on KBC this year. And as soon as the question came up, as soon as I read Nosaira Umar, I'm like, this this is Bisleri. Because Uh I remembered. And the second was in one of the quiz that Kumar Varun hosts. Quizzing with the comedians. It's on YouTube. every Sunday, there's a new episode. So, there he had mentioned about Old Monk. Ah, the whole angle of General Dyer and then Mohan Mekin and yeah, then the yeah. old because that was kind of a staple for us in our MBA college as well. And you also referenced. So, yeah. like, th- these were such instances which like, kept Amazing. me uh, hooked onto it. Like, I wanted to know more stories. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I've spoken to you about this earlier as well that I'm actually looking forward to the next season. So, yeah, I hope it releases soon. And the second thing was... Oh, goes... yeah,
2: it, it, uh, it will. I I can't comment on soon, but it will release for sure. Yeah. I got three episodes written. And more than anything, I hope you like the direction in which it goes. So while it's still going to be seven, eight minutes, but it's still going to be deception till the very end, <laughs> Um, it's not going to be brands. So it's going to be see, pivoting. Hopefully... So yeah,
0: I guess now we are yeah. used to the pivot. So I'm just looking forward <laughs> to the
2: next pivot. Yeah.
0: And yeah, so the second thing that you mentioned was about the inspiration that you've taken from other podcasts and that yeah. kind of helps me call back the initial discussions that we've had. That again, mm-hmm. here it was something that you've seen. It's a trajectory that you've seen and you just referenced yeah. it. You've yeah. kind of seen, okay, this is what they are doing. Let me just understand the process, get the context yeah. and apply it with my own take on. So I guess that particularly fits with the conversation that we are having, uh, that we were having. And it like brings us back to the first point that we started with. And I guess Mm -hmm. this is a very sweet note to end the main conversation. Yeah. Because there's just one more small round to go, which is our take on the rapid fire. So we call it the best of threes. Okay. And what's going to happen is there are going to be three questions. And for each question, I need three answers from you. It can Whoa, be short okay. or it can be like a short incident maybe that you can think of. Sure. But it's like our take on rapid fire. So, I didn't want to go on us right, conventional. Go. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's go. But yeah. So, the first, yeah. so, the first thing is three important skills that you'll advise that a person should have to get through their entire journey. Let's say from MBA into the corporate and a few initial few years in a corporate.
2: Three skills. Three skills. Huh? Okay. Okay. Uh, that's in that's uh very interesting okay let me try to figure out what those three skills could be okay one uh, I think some of these we might have covered already one yeah. I think is the ability to contextualize success and extract meta lessons from there I think that's uh, uh I think that's important two I think the ability the Knowing where to search for information, and I don't just mean Google, right? Everyone has access to Google, uh, but finding certain strips of information from there that could either fuel your narrative further or uh, you know uh, whatever it is, I think that's uh, I think that's very important. Uh, and third, uh, empathy, and I I know it's a oft abused word these days, but I think. Uh, having a certain sense of empathy for the recipient will make life very very easy for you in the in the long run i know it has right. for me i know it might sound like a, uh, it might sound like one of those gyan kind of words but a lot of what i think about success really boils down to empathy which is just putting yourself in the shoes of who this presentation is going to or whatever can make life so much easy for uh, yourself. So yeah, those are my three.
0: Okay, so the next question is three mistakes of your life. Or let's say three things that you considered <laughs> as a mistake, or maybe you would want to change.
2: <laughs> three things. That I, this is uh, after after giving you so much gyan on how <laughs> no no I wouldn't change anything in life etcetera. Okay, uh, if you were to push me to it, I would say one the uh, the IP job that I had taken up. I think things. I think I would have benefited a little more from actually having taken that risk early in my career because. I think that would have also set a precedent that, wow, I took such a risk so early in my career. I think it would have been interesting to do that. So I think that's, um, I think that's one. Two is still career related, but I think I waited too late to get into freelance. I think I should have actually, you know, I should have had this, all this conviction with which I'm talking to you right now, I should have put it in my own head one year back and started all this, um, started all this one year back itself. And I'm trying I'm trying very, very hard to think of what a third uh of what a, a third uh mistake could be. So okay, so I this is a bit of a cop out of an answer, but I don't think I did enough at Micah. And by that I don't mean academically. I think I was very lazy at Micah. I think I got into that uh thing of, oh, I've achieved my dream now, let me spend two years here doing nothing. Uh and I think that was a mistake because looking back, there was so much I could have done not saying necessarily academically but just in terms of extracurrics, in terms of a whole bunch of other things i think i wasted a lot of my time while i was over there mm-hmm. and uh, to be honest a lot of what i did later this hyper activity into freelance and all that was just to make up for that i guess those are the three mistakes in some sense and by mistakes i'm saying things that i would actually want to change uh right. if i had the chance to so yeah right. those are my the, those would be my three i guess
0: okay so the last question, uh, which is three pieces of advice for people listening, and you could just break them down into one for people who are going to get into an MBA, one for mm-hmm. people in an MBA and one for people who are already in a job. So one for each level.
2: Interesting. No, actually, you know what I will actually because so much of our conversation, I feel we've always tried to have it for one audience and then you expanded it for everyone. So I'll actually have three pieces of advice for everyone. And I, again, might be just summing up the conversation as a whole because these are points that I've made before. One, constantly question what you're doing right now. Two, um, always ask yourself what the worst case scenario for anything that you do will be, be it a small idea, be it a large career change. And the third one, which I didn't speak about really, uh, is just collect as many experiences and dots etc as possible. Uh, Amit Verma likes calling these collect as many dots as possible. I think that's a good way of thinking about it because the more of these you collect they will compound over a period of time and then you will be able to draw references between each other. You will be able to take some lessons away from your job that are relevant for something else and vice versa uh, so the more you collect those dots those experiences i think it really really helps and if you combine this with you know that gyan <clears throat> i gave a while back about extracting meta lessons and all that yeah suddenly you know uh you get a lot more points out of one simple experience yeah, yeah. so i think that's about it use your 20s to um i'm not a advocate of uh uh slaving at work i am not one of those people who think that your 20s should be devoted completely to slaving away at the office and all that i think collect as many dots as you can in your 20s now whether that happens at work whether that happens outside of work whether that's a combination of the two that you're able to manage fair enough but collect as many experiences as you can uh set yourself up for as many successes and failures that you can. That is something that will serve you very well in your 30s. And while you still have a body that's working, please <laughs> exercise. Somebody yeah. who's 35 plus, <laughs> I have finally realized that while you still can jump up and down, please, please take care of your body. You will thank me later for it. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's an old, that's old person speak.
0: <laughs> yeah, so now before we wrap up, there's this one question that I asked everyone and that's not a part of this. Yeah. So it's just that it's a spontaneous sort of a thing, a funny, thoda hilarious sort of a thing that mm-hmm. if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice, no context, no explanations nothing, just <laughs> one piece of advice, what would that be? So when would you want to get back?
2: Oh, man. Oh, sorry, what is the last thing that you so said? When would you want to go back and give what piece of advice? When i want to go back <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> oh gosh that's that, that's a that's a genuinely tough one um i think i would go back to engineering college and uh first year and i would just tell myself uh, start listening to better music <laughs> and uh, you know i um i would have got started on this uh, journey of listening to good music a lot earlier so yeah I think I there was a, a time when I was listening to the same things over and over again and then mm-hmm. suddenly discovered everything together um, so yeah uh, so without context um, I guess I would have just put a whole bunch of music in a pen drive and just handed it over <laughs> to the 16 year old me and said right. listen don't <laughs> ask you will appreciate later right. so yeah I think that would be it and invest so, in bitcoin only <laughs> I
0: would have done that yeah that is something that even I would want to go back and tell you
2: yeah <laughs> Yes,
0: like this has been such a great experience for me because like I didn't even realize when we passed the two and a half hour I had no idea. I
2: had such a great time talking.
0: Yes, same here. So thank you so much for accepting the invite. Thank you so much for being here and sharing so much information, so much gyan with everyone listening. And it's kind of been a very insightful, very exciting session for me as well. And for anyone who wants to get in touch with Chuck, anyone who wants to... Follow his podcast, follow his newsletter, follow him, follow or get in touch. I'll add all the links in the description, and you yeah. all can get in touch with him. And for all the other tutors, yes, season three is coming. Season three is coming. <laughs>
2: yeah, tutors. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. This has been amazing. Like, uh, if anyone can take away uh, any lessons from my what I think is completely random accidental journey. And if any of you find, by the remotest chance, if any of you find this inspirational, I think what is the most heartening thing for anyone is that this is genuinely a journey that can happen to anyone. I still don't think uh, like I'm successful or anything. I'm still deeply floored and honored by the fact that you asked me to come onto the show and ask me to yammer on for about two and a half <laughs> hours or something. Uh, so just keep asking yourself these very simple questions and. Uh, yeah, uh, that's pretty much about it. I don't think I've done anything extraordinary in life. Uh, just uh, asked a few basic questions of myself and, uh, yeah, that's about it really. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chintan. And good luck with everything. And yeah, uh, thanks everyone for listening this far. So that was Chuck
0: talking about his MBA journey and his corporate journey. I'm sure you've learned a lot from it. And I guess with his last answer, he has very much summarized the entire conversation as well as mentioned the major takeaways that even I had from our conversation. So I'll leave you all with that. If you've made it so far, thank you so much for tuning in. I'll be back next week with a new guest and many more stories. Follow the podcast, share it with everyone you know and now you can also rate the podcast on Spotify. So please make sure that you give us a good rating. Thank you.